Bulimia sucks, but you don't, and here's why. The Bulimia Sucks podcast with Kate Hudson Hall will teach you how to begin breaking through the multitude of thoughts, feelings, triggers, and urges to empower yourself to change your painful behaviors completely. You will hear proven strategies and solutions to help you in your recovery, including real interviews with real people. Kate has just released a new best-selling book called Anxiety Hacks with proven techniques, tools, and tips to calm this. Check it out now on Amazon. And now... Another episode of Bulimia Sucks, the podcast. Hello, my name is Kate Hudson Hall, and thanks for listening to Bulimia Sucks, because many of us know it does. This is a platform for people to share relatable, uplifting, and inspiring conversations based on bulimia and anorexia and other eating disorders. These are real stories from people who are suffering or have suffered an eating disorder. And episodes will include their personal stories of where they are now, their difficult journeys and their steps taken into their recovery, and also to professionals who work with people with an eating disorder. Now, our guest today is Carolyn Costin. Now, Carolyn joined us um, on the last episode on part one, Um, and shared her incredible journey, but we want to hear more. So Carolyn is a world-renowned, highly sought-after eating disorder clinician, author, and international speaker. And she recovered from anorexia in her 20s. And as a young therapist, Carolyn recognised her calling after successfully treating her first eating disorder client. And Carolyn was first to publicly take the position that people with eating disorders can become fully recovered. And after 15 years in private practice and running hospital programs, Carolyn was determined to improve the relapse rate and recognise a gap in the eating disorder field. She opened Montenido, the first residential facility in a home setting, surrounded by nature where standard treatment was combined with meditation and yoga and clients were retrained to shop for and prepare and cook food. Carolyn's contribution to the field are extensive. She has written six books, the most popular being Eight Keys to Recovery from an Eating Disorder. Carolyn's service in every major eating disorder organisation Three decades of training professionals worldwide, free study groups, and the outstanding success of Monte Nido all spurred Caroline to international acclaim. In 2016, Caroline sold Monte Nido, subsequently left and created the Caroline Costin Institute. The Institute's main function is the training and certification of eating disorders coaches. Additionally, the Institute offers continuing education for clinicians, educational support for families of those with eating disorders, and mental training for organisations. Carolyn continues to also offer consultations to clients and clinicians and continues to speak at international and national conferences. Caroline is an active and passionate, inspiring force in the eating disorders field. So welcome to part two. 
Now let's continue with Carolyn's incredible journey. Yeah. Being recovered is not hard. When you're recovered, it's easy. Recovering is hard and being in recovery is hard. But this is why I'm very, very big on this term recovered. Once you are recovered, you realize, oh, that's gone. And it's easy for me to be in my life without it. In fact, it would be really hard. to. I don't even know how I could ever go back, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that is a, a, a beautiful thing for people to know that they can attain that, you know? Mm, yeah. And they too can get there. And it's part of the reason I'm training all these coaches, 98% of whom are recovered, because coaches can do things that therapists and dietitians either don't want to do or can't do because ethically it's, you know, the boundary issues. Coaches are going out to meals with clients. I mean, I did that as a therapist because my boundaries just are a little bit different. And I felt like that, that was, that was. <laughs> What's wrong with that? I can have a session in a restaurant anyway. But Absolutely. so but so Carolyn, so you've set up in 2017, you set up the Carolyn Costin Institute. Right. So tell us about that then. So tell right. us about the coaching and well, I set it up primarily because I started to realize that there's life coaches and sober coaches and all this stuff, and there's yeah. no eating disorder coaches. And I knew that because of my own work training therapist. I mean, I'd get a new therapist and they never ha had a meal with someone with an eating disorder. And, and I'm like, it's, it's really strange to be a therapist treating an eating disorder, but you never share food with the person. I, I just, yeah. I just thought that was odd. So all my therapists had to eat meals with the clients. And, um, and I realized that if you're a therapist in private practice, though, you can't have five lunches with your five clients around lunchtime, you know, you have one at 10 30, 11 30, 12, you know, anyway. So I realized we need to have coaches out there that help be a part of a team. So you can have a therapist, you can have a dietitian, um, you can have a physician or a psychiatrist who is ever on your team. A coach is someone who helps you like goes out to a restaurant, you the first time you're going to try pizza and try to keep it and not purge, you know, or the first time you're going to try a dessert when you've been a restrictor and haven't had a dessert for five years, or the first time you're going to go to um, uh, a gym and you've been an exercise addict and you need to limit your exercise to 30 minutes because you have exercise bulimia or whatever, mm. you know, and these coaches also go into the house they help, they help you go grocery shopping. If you gain weight, help you buy new clothes. All of the things that, that people with eating disorders really struggle with, these life skills that you have to do. It's one thing to go into an office and, and talk about your eating disorder. It's another thing to go home and like, who's going to help me eat my pasta tonight and keep it? And so coaches are very, very hands-on. They're like a third of the price of, of therapists. And um, well, not all of them. Some of them are getting really busy. And some of the coaches do live-ins where let's say someone gets out of a hospital and needs help transitioning home. They'll go and, and live with them and help them get situated. Or let's say there's someone who, like I have a family right now who's trying to prevent their kid from going to hospital. So they want to hire a coach to come live there for a while and have yeah, meals yeah. with a kid. And, um, Fantastic. So so there's all kinds of ways that, and not all coaches do live-ins and not all coaches are recovered. 
But uh, uh, honestly, about 98% of the people in the who are certified now are recovered themselves. And then there's a few people who wanted to do it because they had a daughter or a friend or, oh, right. they, yeah. or they were a nurse or a therapist or, and they wanted to get this coach training to get more hands-on training, you know? But that, but that do you do um, a specific for parents? Um, what I do for parents, so that's, a, that's, so one section of the Institute is coaching and the coaches are also trained to be able to work with parents. And there's a few coaches who took the course because they want to coach just parents and help parents. Okay. So there's that. But there's also on the continuing education side, if you're a therapist, if you're a professional, there's right. continuing education units. For in America, you have to get a certain amount each year to keep your license viable. And uh, so I offer continuing education units that are. are trained therapists and dietitians, but there's a section on there for families. So if a family wants to learn about eating disorders, there's material from my books and there's videotapes of me working with families and some audio and sort of therapy 101 for a parent who's struggling and just wants to get a handle on the issue. Oh, that is just incredible. Incredible. You know, for, for all those parents that have, you know, young children that you know, that they are, you know, that they have an eating disorder because they don't know what to do. Because it's very hard to you know, help them and, you know, be trained to be able to help them. Yeah. So there's part of the training for coaches too, because coaches are in, in invariably going to get involved with families and need to be able to talk to families and help explain the concept of eating disorder, self, healthy self, and you know, help explain about temperament and, and all those things. So the coaches learn that so they can also help, but they do it in conjunction with a treatment team so that they, yeah. you know, they don't get at odds with a therapist, you know, so everybody's on the same page, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like okay. a dietitian might set the goals and then the coach helps the client achieve those goals. Yes. You know? Yeah. It's obviously going very well. Well, better than I expected. We, we actually had to ha have a waiting list a couple of different times for people getting in the coaching thing. And then also, I don't even have enough coaches right now for all the people requesting coaches. Some of my the really good coaches who put themselves out there and started working a lot. I mean, they just are they, they have wait lists. It's amazing. I'm so happy about it. I have 60 one coaches in about 10 countries in about 10 countries oh yeah i have saudi arabia canada belgium spain um mexico uh england i can't i can't even remember them all right now that's not that many i gave off but i probably gave you six but i have about 10 wow oh wow so the courses are they virtual or are they they're all virtual and uh, there's video and there's uh, reading chapters of the book, articles, listening to some lectures. There's a quiz. There's 12 modules. And so you go through each module and when you get to the end of the module, you do a quiz and a, a written assignments. And then I grade every single one. If you pass that, you go to the next step. And then at the end, there's an internship. Because I really want them to be well-trained. So yeah. in the internship, they have to see clients for free, tape their sessions, send them to me. I listen to every single session. 
and provide feedback or get on with the person if they need me to, or get on with the client and the coach so that I know that anybody who's certified has been able to successfully sit with people and help people in a coaching capacity. So uh, after that, you get your certification and then you have to renew it with ongoing training every two years. Yes. So it's a whole new thing. It's a whole, it's like, yeah, it's interesting what's happened, you know. But how exciting for you to, yeah. you know, yeah. it's a whole new, new pathway, a whole new creation. And it's just going to develop and grow. And-, and it came along at a time, you know, with COVID, we were already up about two years. So we had several coaches and they were trained on Zoom. So they w- knew how to do it. So we already had all these coaches that were just ripe to just go in and start helping people having snacks online. You know, let's have our, you have to have pasta. Okay, I'm going to go get pasta. We'll sit here and eat it together. Yeah. It was amazing. It just the timing. It was really great that we had several active coaches when COVID, you know, all these lockdowns and everything. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so how are you going to take it forward? What, what other ideas have you got for it? <laughs> well, right now I'm training. Well, you've got time for any of it anymore. Well, the mentor thing, I, I am trying to, there's a difference between coaches and mentors. So I'm trying to um, train people to do mentor, which is all free, which is it's more like peer to peer support. The person absolutely has to be recovered. They do get training, but it's not like coach training. And they just they're just a support person and provide support groups around the country. Mm -hmm. It's been going on for a while, but it's with this uh, organization here called ANAD, A-N-A-D. And I was a member many, many years ago and ran support ran free support groups, but now, um, but they never had um, official structured training for their mentors. Then they started to do a little bit, but anyway, I'm trying to help them organize and establish um, training and supervision. So people who are recovered kind of like 12 step groups, you know, Yeah. but it's not, doesn't follow the 12 step philosophy because we don't see it as an addiction and all that. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm doing that too. As far as coaching goes, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I, I don't know. I haven't done a lot of, because of COVID, I was scheduled to do four or five conferences that all got canceled. So I did talk about coaching on Zoom, but um, I don't know what's going to happen to it. If you have ideas for over there, you just let me know. Yeah, I'll have a think about it. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what's going to happen to it. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, yeah. Well, how has it expanded so quickly, though? There's obviously such a need for it. Well, that's the thing. I think people were nervous about it. But luckily for me, having established a reputation in the field, people say, luckily for me, I hear from therapists all the time. Well, I was kind of sketchy about coaching. I didn't know. But then when I heard you were training people, I thought I would try it. So I feel grateful for that. I mean, I did set myself up in the in the eating disorder field for many years with the clinics and the books. So I think me um, doing this thing with coaching has really helped people see, Oh, it can be legitimate. You know, yeah. it can, it can be that people get really trained and it takes, a, you know, it takes about a year to go through the coaching course. This is not a two week, you know, I get my, I get my certificate. Some people do it faster and some people take longer, but it's designed one uh one module a month basically yeah and that's how it should be you know there's obviously a lot of information that needs to be absorbed and 
um, right through. And the line is very clear. Coaches are taught not to go do underlying issues. If there's not to talk about the reasons why the eating disorder, not to get into trauma, not to get into comorbid um, uh, diagnosis or any of that, they do not do treatment. They do skills-based. Yeah. How are we going to get through this meal together? And if a client starts talking about underlying issues, they're trained how to gear it back to that's for you to talk with your therapist about. So it's important that they don't, they stick to their scope of practice, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that they're trained to actually bring it back to what they, you know, what they've been taught. Yeah. That's part, that's really part it's of the a real key, isn't it? To be able to sort of swing it back around. Yeah. Without sounding rude, like, Oh, I don't, I can't talk to you about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have to be able to say that's very important. You need to be able to talk to your therapist about it. I can put it in my report to your therapist too, but let's focus on how you're going to get through this meal because regardless of what th this particular issue, you still have to eat your food. So yeah. they're taught to just come right back to it in a gentle, kind way, you know? Yeah, that's fantastic. It's exciting. It's really exciting. I'm very excited for you. <laughs> it is. I love it. I love it. So. Now, I have, I have a question for you, Karen. And so when you're old and you're on your rocking chair and you think back, is there anything that you haven't achieved that maybe you wish that you had achieved? <laughs> You've done so much. I don't know if there would be. Well, hmm, that's a really good question. I do hope that I am able to help. I mean, I, I don't want to be too overly busy and I don't want to uh, get in over my head, but I do hope to be able to help a few different places open, uh, like right now with Australia, open true models of treatment, residential models of treatment that really involve a holistic uh, way of treating patients and involve what I call care of the soul. And, so what, what and, does what does holistic mean to you? What does uh, that mean? That 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 they have um, things like yoga. They teach things like mindfulness or meditation. Lovely. That, and the and these are things that are not woo woo weirdo California things anymore. These are there's a lot of evidence. Yeah. Uh, around particularly mindfulness and how it helps calm the amygdala, which is the whole anxious part of the brain, which 85% of these people are, are going to have some kind of anxiety disorder. Absolutely. Uh, and that prefrontal cortex? It, it appears that what it does is it, I want to say strengthens, it helps the prefrontal cortex to calm down the emotional part. So, what it does is it helps the prefrontal, meditation helps the prefrontal cor cortex be strong enough to come, which is our reasoning brain, yeah. to combat the amygdala, our emotional brain. Now, whether or not it, the size changes, I, I, that is a good question. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for example, monks who've been meditating for a long time have this ability for their prefrontal cortex to come online. So when something happens to them in their life, it's not like they don't care or don't get upset at all. It's just that their feelings do not overwhelm their reasoning ability, you know? So they don't, they, they don't 
you know, get panic attacks or they don't, they can actually look at films of distressful things. And it's not like they don't care. They have a lot of compassion, but it doesn't overwhelm them in a physiological way. So what we learned is that if you, if a mindfulness practice helps strengthen the ability of our prefrontal cortex yeah. to help us to not be overwhelmed by the amygdala. Yeah. So, so going back to a holistic place, that has a place in the treatment of eating disorders, Absolutely. mindfulness. And, 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 and the other way, um, what I mean by holistic is not being very hierarchical, like uh, there's all the doctors and therapists up here and all the clients down here, you know, that it's collaborative treatment, that the goals and stuff are established with the client and the team. So I think what happens all too often is, you have to gain two pounds a week every week because that's what our protocols say, as opposed to this person's psyche is not able to tolerate. So maybe we need to let her gain some weight and hang out there for a while. Let her psyche catch up with her new body and then go. You have to look at people as individuals as opposed to diagnoses, which happens so often in treatment, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So and that's what I hope to do. I hope that I can help other countries who are now looking at starting residential programs, I, I do hope that I can look back and say that I, I helped um, create that. But I don't know if that's going to happen. But if it doesn't, at least I hope I have coaches in those countries. <laughs> but that's what that's what should happen, because that's what people really need. You know, they need to be able to meditate to practice mindfulness or yoga and yoga and I and I the way I describe mindfulness, it's like pressing the pause button of all right. of that negative chitter chat right. chatter. Can you imagine, you know, if you're in a situation and you've got this awful horrific and you can just press the pause button, even if it's only for like 10 seconds, imagine the relief. Yeah, it helps people. And that right there helps people respond versus react, which is yes. a very important. Yeah. And giving them that uh, moment skill. to breathe, to be able to see, oh, oh hang on, what's yeah. differently here? And I think people don't even know until they start to get into this. They don't even, there's a chapter, the chapter on um, challenge your thought, but feel your feelings in the eight keys book really helps people to learn. You're not your thoughts and feelings. You have thoughts and feelings, but you aren't them. Learning to separate and be this wise, observing presence so you can, like you said, take a pause and you can know what you want to respond to and you can know what feelings you need to let go, what ones you need to challenge. I mean, what thoughts you need to let go, what thoughts you need to challenge and all your feelings. How can I feel them without being overwhelmed by them? And all these things are so important. And I just found when, when I first opened my my and I used to run hospital programs, so I, I know I know the difference between hospital and residential. And um, you know, I always thought we we have to have these things as a component of treatment. You know, and the other part is being able to deal with the food. You know, in hospitals, the patients would go down to the cafeteria, they would get their food on a little tray with a silver top on it. You know, <laughs> passing through the a line, or served in their hospital bed. And no, people need to be able to go grocery shopping with a staff who's trained and helping them to buy food. And they need to be able to be in a kitchen and learn how to portion. Because what we were doing, at least in this country, is bringing people into hospital, putting their weight up, stopping their binging and purging, and then sending them home to deal with it themselves. 
with no practice in grocery shopping, cooking, portioning, making food for themselves, sitting around a table and completing a meal. And, you know, we, we, we had to change that dynamic. And to me, that's also holistic kind of care, you know? Yeah. Tell us what's happening in Australia, because you said you suddenly got really busy and you're helping them to set up a residential well, it's been going on for a long time. I was not able to help them during my phase of non-compete. So after I sold Montanito, I was in a non-compete until September of 2020. So now I can uh, at least work for another treatment center. And so uh, I'm just involved in helping them do training and stuff of the staff, you know, training them in the philosophy, training them in the eight keys, because the eight keys is out there. People are using it. They have it over there. Uh, they want to use it. So I'm helping. Uh, that, that's public domain. So it's not part of my non-compete and I can do that. So helping in that way, you know, and it just kind of ratcheted up because they're going to have the ribbon cutting opening ceremony June 8th. So that's why I said I just <laughs> I'm so busy. I feel really busy right now. So that's on June 8th. Oh, yeah. Gosh. So yeah. Soon, yeah. Yeah. And they won't take patients till July, but their big launch is June 8th. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. How exciting. It is. Yeah. It is. And yeah. so when are you going to open one over there? I thought tomorrow. Okay. That's pretty good. <laughs> I might be up all night. I wouldn't have time to have my dream though, would I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't have to. You can borrow mine. <laughs> Okay, thank you. That's very kind. I know I should do. I'd love to. Love to. I would. Mm. I mean, it would be great. I mean, it, there definitely needs to be something in the UK. There's a little bit sprinkled here and there, but not anything that's really well known or that I know of anyway. If you hear of something, let me know. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you know when I open it okay. <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, Carolyn, thank you so much for joining us. This has been such fun and hearing your story and your journey. Oh, my gosh. It's amazing. Yeah. It's really interesting when I sit back and think, you know, that I just started talking about it and then this happened and that happened and right place at the right time. And, uh, yeah, it's really interesting. And when I do these podcasts, especially when I hear somebody read my, my, um, my bio, it's just, it's interesting where I'm sitting now and how, how, the, how it's changed and how things are continuing to move along yeah, in this directions. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me because I, I enjoy talking about it and I hope that somebody has gotten inspired a bit by this or hopeful or something, you know, that's the goal, really. That's the goal. That's the goal. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Carolyn. So that's all for today's episode of Bulimia Sucks. So thanks for listening. And obviously, thank you to Carolyn for joining me today and sharing your journey. And join us again on the next episode of Bulimia Sucks. And make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes so you never miss an episode. And thanks for listening. And before we go, share some, some love for your favorite podcast by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts or wherever you listen. And make sure you come and join our Bulimia Sucks Facebook page where it's great to connect with other people and uh, chit-chat with like-minded people. So thank you for listening and I will speak to you in the next episode.
Bulimia sucks, but you don't. Kate has just released a new best-selling book called Anxiety Hacks with proven techniques, tools, and tips to calmness. Check it out now on Amazon. 